Amen. Hey, once again, we are in our study. That's right. It's called what? Voodoo Vampires and the Rise of Demon Worship. Okay. And so far we've covered in our study. That's right. We've dealt with the existence of demons. We've dealt with the character of demons and the tactic of demons. And good thing that's just made up to scare you to rip off your cash. Well, that's what the skeptic would say. But no, demons are real, along with Satan, fallen angels, all of them. Uh, their character is evil, and their tactics, that they're out to get you. But praise God, God tells us this in advance, and then he tells us how to deal with it when, not if it comes your way. Isn't that good of God? Yeah. Sticking your head in the sand doesn't help anybody. It doesn't even help you, Christian, because we deal with spiritual issues every single day. The Bible's very clear about that Old and New Testament. But then we got to say, well, how in the world did we get in this mess where we got literally demonic worship, demonic activity, demonic interaction on the increase, not just in the world, but even in the church? Well, that's why we've been dealing with the last seven times the history of demon worship. And so our last recap on that, let's do it again. Well, how did it get started? Well, we could have started a long time further, but we just started here in the 1700s with the folks called the Romantics, was basically we saw in our Satanism study, that was basically the birth of Satanism. These guys came along, rejected God, rejected the word. That's the first mistake, always. And they began to say that Satan was a good guy. And that eventually branched off and became into Satanism that we know today. But it also gave rise to the next movement uh, after the Romantics. These guys, the rationalists, the rationalists came along and says, okay, we don't need the Bible to tell us what truth is. Man's brain is going to determine, i.e. ration, rational, we're going to determine what's right and wrong. Well, at the same time, you had these guys come up, the empiricists. The empiricists, no, 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 you don't discover truth by your brain. You do it by your experience. And that is rampant today. Big time, okay? And then after that, it gave lie to the lie of evolution, right? Which further got people away from God's word because, oh, that's just a book of lies and we all came from the goo to the zoo to me and you. But people deep down inside know there's got to be more to life than just random chance. There's got to be some sort of higher being out there and, and they're right. His name is God and you get there through Jesus Christ. But they reject the Bible. So what do they do? This is what started the spiritualist movement, okay? And remember what we translated? What does when somebody says, and when we talk about spiritualism, what are we talking about? We're talking about demon interaction, right? But the spiritualist movement came along and says, okay, we don't need truth from God. We don't need it from the word, right? We'll seek it from beyond the grave. And especially last week, if you were here, we once again dealt with our biblical study. Uh, when somebody hears something or tries to contact something folk, uh, beyond the grave and it pops up and it's got a wonderful Scottish accent, it really is that guy from Scotland. No, it's not. It's a what? It's a familiar spirit. It's a demon. Because once you're in heaven, you're in heaven. Once you're in hell, you're in hell. You ain't coming back. So these are demons. But So these people are seeking truth beyond the grave, i.e. from demons, i.e. spiritualism. Okay. Well, then it got into secular psychology. So secular psychology came along and said, no, nah, we don't need the Bible. It's a book whooped up by man. And what we need to do to help people to alleviate their problems, we need to use man's brain, man's experience, and let's combine it with spiritualism, demons, and that will fix everything. No, it doesn't. And that was promoted from the get-go from Sigmund Freud and Carl Jung, okay, was the guys that were behind that, and it moved on even further. Then this guy came along, Alan uh, Kardec, and he turned it into a religion, basically getting truth from demons, and that happened over in Europe. Then it hopped the pond, okay, he started the Internet Spiritualist Council, hopped the pond with these ladies, the Fox Sisters. And the Fox Sisters not only encouraged America to begin to go down this route, uh, but even in the White House, the White House invited her in. And that started way back in the day with Jane Pierce. And she was trying to connect with her dead son. Okay, uh, then it went to Mary Todd Lincoln. She did it a multitude of times. Lincoln allowed it, believe it or not. Then to fast forward, because we could have went through all history. Uh, Nancy Reagan was huge into the occult, certainly astrology. So was Hillary Clinton. Shocker. 
Okay. Uh, in fact, what you're going to see in our study tonight, uh, uh, again, eventually, Lord willing, uh, you're going to see that uh, even with voodoo and things of that nature, uh, it's, it's in the White House, man. It's just it's nuts what these people are doing. Uh, the Bush family we saw uh, was connected with skull and bones, amongst other things. That is not good. Okay. The Obama years. I pause for dramatic reflection. That's about what it was, wasn't it? Remember those days? And then you had the Trump and called that the aberration. And then we're back to here's full on the occult issues and the Biden administration. Shocker, shocker, shocker. Then it moves spiritualism. What's spiritualism? Demon contact, seeking direction, wisdom from demons. Moved from uh, the White House to the average Joe. That was uh, promoted by this lady, Cora Scott. Ashka Sprague and this guy, Pasco Beverly Randolph, they're going around, touring around in a trance-like state. Demons were speaking through them and encouraged people. Then it further got solidified with these guys. It's called the Ghost Club. The Ghost Club was made up and spread into the literary world, into the business world, into the science world. Well, the Ghost Club, believe it or not, was founded by this guy, Sir Arthur Conan Doyle. You know, Sherlock Holmes and all that stuff. This guy was huge into the occult, speaking with demons, but so was Charles Dickens. And his stories, and he was connected with that. A lot of people read that. You don't even know where this guy got his inspiration from, right? But they helped to spread it. But then it went to the science world. Believe it or not, Pierre and Marie Curie were huge into uh, seances and, and spiritualism and things of that nature. And then, of course, it goes to the business world with Thomas Edison. As we saw, he even invented what he felt was the spirit phone, that he was going to use a phone to connect with the dead ones across the the grave, so to speak, or whatever. But his buddy, also Henry Ford, was also working with him. And he's also into spiritual issues, including Freemasonry, which, Lord willing, if we could ever get there and the rapture doesn't happen in 5,322 years, will be our next study on Freemasonry. But uh, there it is. Then we saw, unfortunately, it went to the church. Okay, spiritualism came to the church. Well, are you serious? Yes, it is. Slap some Christianese on some demonic practices, and somehow it makes it okay. And that started basically with the Quakers. The Quakers' first big step... Okay, was this what? That, okay, the Bible, yeah, but we really need to listen to the voice within and our experience. Two avenues that are still prevalent today in churches. You're off the scripture, and you're going to be led astray. And that's what started uh, that aspect. Early, basically, charismatic uh, mindset is where this is. Well, that wasn't good enough. You had, to, you had to shake it up a little bit, and they went from the Quakers to the Shakers, right? And they got into these ecstatic experiences and... Supposedly the Spirit of God, it ain't the Spirit of God that was speaking through you. All kinds of heresies began to come forth. Then it went to Elias Hicks. It went to Amy and Isaac Post. It went to Jesse Babcock Ferson. And by the time it got to this guy, it had evolved to this, William Staten Moses. He literally claimed to be an English cleric and a full-on spiritualist demon medium at the same time, as if somehow that's compatible. No, it's an oxymoron. It's like for somebody to say, delicious chicken. What? There is no such thing. And you can't have a Christian medium. There is no such thing. Right? But that's where it is. And that's how it just got in, invested into uh, the church. And then we saw that still being promoted today, unfortunately, in the charismatic world, with the uh, destiny cards. We'll tell your future. Not the Bible. No, they're really tarot cards, but they Christianized it. And then, if you recall, even the, not Ouija board, but here's how it's going to make it all okay. We just call it the Holy Spirit Ouija board. Remember that? actually being sold today on Amazon. It's nuts. In the church today. So you're seeing a merger of that. And then, if you are here last time, we saw it spread across the world. This mindset, spiritualism, connect with demons, let demons give you wisdom and direction and truth. Starting uh, in the 60s, Shirley MacLaine was a big one. The biggest New Age priestess on the planet, Oprah Wan Kenobi. 
She's got guests galore. We talked about a ton of them last time, including this lady, Marianne Williamson, who not only ran for president for the Democrat Party. Shocker. Uh, uh, the uh, last time around, she's saying she's going to do it again this time around. Then she's had all kinds of people on her show. Um, we're still talking about Oprah Wan Kenobi, John Edward, who's supposed to be speaking to dead people. I don't think so. Uh, but also Steve Harvey's our good friend. And what's he doing with his show? He's doing the same thing. He's promoting that you can have contact with dead people. This is Teresa uh, Caputo, the Long Island Medium. And then we ended up with, and it's everywhere, all over the place, not just on talk shows, media, books, whatever, but on cartoons, it's on shows, it's in Hollywood, it's on the news, it's all over the place. Now, where we left off was this. Unfortunately, it didn't stop there. So what are we talking about? We're talking about voodoo vampires and the rise of demon worship. Demon worship is really what's going on here with people's activity. And what we're going to see now, that was all just kind of the existence and character and that demons themselves, we laid the case that demons are real. Then we spent seven times... Okay, well, how did we get into this mess? Now we're going to see that demon worship literally uh, is going on. It's, it's in different types of religions, and it is all over the place, including here, unfortunately, in America, that it was rejected God uh, and the Bible. And the first one that we're going to deal with is what? Voodoo. Okay, voodoo. Okay, as you're going to see tonight, man, you're going to want to scrub your eyeballs. Voodoo is full on everything to do with not just demon interaction, not just seeking input from demons, full on demon possession. And it is everywhere. It is being promoted to kids. It's everywhere. Right. Okay. but we're going to get into that. But before we get into that, let's remind ourselves again. Shocker. What God says happens and will happen to you if you ever get involved in seeking input from demons. Open your Bibles to Leviticus this time. Last time we were in Deuteronomy. Leviticus 19 is our opening text. And once again, God's very blunt. Why? Because he wants you to know the truth and he does not mince words. And it's very blunt and very straightforward because you don't want to get this wrong. Right? You don't want to say, well, man, that was so vague. Do I, do I get involved with demons or not? I don't know. No, he's very blunt. You don't need to understand the secret hidden Southern Hebrew in order to figure this out. It's very blunt. Okay. What does God say uh, about seeking input from a demonic entity. Leviticus 19. How many guys are there? Yo. yo. I like yo. Yo. Let's do a yo, and we'll, we'll up at one with a moo. If you're there, say moo. Uh, isn't that soothing? We should put that on an app or something. You know what I'm saying? They got all these relaxation apps out there. Let's just get one that says moo. Works for me. I digress. I gave you enough time. Let's take a look. Leviticus 19, 11 through 19, and then we're going to pop down to 26 and then 31 but let's take a look. These are commands from God, which means we just sit there, sit around and think about it. No, we launch a committee to launch a committee, to launch a committee to run through the deacons who would then launch a subcommittee to tell us whether or not this is feasible to follow through. No, you do what he says. Hello, right? Well, let's take a look, right? Verse 11 says this. Do not what? Steal. Do not what? Lie. Do not deceive one another. Now, so far, how many guys would say this is probably some pretty good stuff to stay away from? Common sense. Let's keep going. Do not swear falsely, God says, by my name, and so profane the name of your God. I am the Lord. Do not defraud your neighbor or rob him. Do not hold back the wages of a hired man overnight. Do not curse the deaf or put a stumbling block in front of the blind. Make fun of people. But fear your God. I am the Lord. Do not pervert justice. Do not show partiality to the poor or favoritism to the great, but judge your neighbor fairly. 
Do not go about spreading slander among your people. Do not do anything that endangers your neighbor's life. I am the Lord. Do not hate your brother in your heart. Rebuke your neighbor frankly so that you will not share in his guilt. Do not seek revenge or bear a grudge against one of your people, but love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. Keep my decrees. Now, again, right there so far, how many would say that's some pretty good advice from God? You do that, it's probably going to help you out tremendously. And if your society would do that, probably be way better than what we're experiencing today. Not only that, keep my decrees includes verse 26. Drop down there. Do not eat any meat with blood still in it. And what? Do not practice what? Divination or sorcery. Pop down to 31. He says this. Do not turn to what? Mediums or seek out what? Spiritists. Demon contact. For you will what? Be, here's the word, defiled by them. I am the Lord your God. Now, for those of you hooked on Hebrew, the word there, uh, defiled, uh, is this one. And it's not pronounced tame, it's tame. Okay, tame literally means this. You mess with demons, you seek out a spiritist. God says, here's what's going to happen to you 100% of the time. You're going to become unclean, impure, polluted, and utterly defiled. Okay. And you think, well, why would that happen? Well, hello, who are you chumming up with when you're doing this? You're chumming up with what? A demon, right? And what do you expect? Demons are dirty, they're nasty, they're filthy, they're evil, they're dark and disgusting, unclean. And you think with chumming up with them, you're going to come out smelling like roses? No, you're going to be defiled. Your life is going to turn out disgusting. It's going to get dark. It's going to get nasty. It's going to get evil. God says you will be defiled by them. That's what the word literally means you'll be led astray and folks i'm telling you that is what's happening with this practice out there called voodoo it is demonic it is demonic to the core and nobody should ever be messing with it certainly not any christians okay and what we're going to do tonight believe it or not we're going to expose the spiritualism and again i said that on purpose spiritualism really means what demon so the demonic aspects of voodoo okay and tonight we're just going to do a wide swath, a little jet tour through voodoo to kind of hit the highlights, highlights of their practices, highlights of their beliefs, a little bit of this, a little bit of that. So you kind of get a general idea. Then we're going to go back and dive into the different types of voodoo because there's African voodoo, there's Haitian voodoo, there's Cuban voodoo, there's Louisiana voodoo, there's all kinds of stuff. So tonight we're just taking a wide little tour, okay, hitting that. Okay, but voodoo is very, as you're going to see very shortly, it is demonic, it's wicked, it's dark, it's filthy, it's gross, and you get involved in it with it, it's exactly what God says, you're going to get defiled. Okay, and it's everywhere, folks. I'm telling you, everywhere, including in the United States of America. Here's just one quick example of that. <laughs> Hi, it's Thomas. We're in East New York outside a basement voodoo temple run by a priestess named Mama Edeline. Uh, tonight she's going to be summoning the same fiery spirits that helped the Haitian slaves overthrow their French masters in the early 1800s. Maybe this will kick off something fiery for us. Voodoo started in Haiti as a clandestine way for African slaves to practice their traditional religion. When the French tried to force Christianity down their throats, the slaves simply took the major spirits, or loa, and matched them with the Catholic saint they most closely resembled, then pretended to worship those guys instead. 
Do you have to know a spirit for it to possess you? Do you have to ask no. it to? All of us on earth, we are spiritual somewhere. The spirit likes you, you want to live in you, you get possessed by the spirit. Is it possible I'll be possessed by one of these spirits, or will it be? I don't know, it's dependent on them. In Haiti, a divine spirit is called a loa. There are 121 loa in the voodoo universe. Tonight's mass was focused on summoning the Petros, fire spirits, to possess or mount the people in the room, then to let them speak through their bodies and offer advice and blessing. Possession is the psychic phenomenon which occurs when the divinity becomes manifest. many subtle gradations of salutation, and these indicate the relative authority of the persons involved. The first possession of the night was Ogun, the same Lo summoned in the lead-up to the Haitian Revolution, and actually the spirit who told the slaves they should revolt. Ogun is a warrior spirit, a heavy smoker and rum drinker, and associated with fire and iron, so when he mounts a person it usually leads to a lot of machete play and burning things, including money, which practitioners offer him from their pockets for luck. So what happened to all of us that were in the room tonight? I think we're all dead. No, you weren't cleansed, man. You're hooking up with demons. Now notice just right out of the gates, these people are full on being possessed. This guy's going there thinking it's a show, right? And I didn't have time to whole, share the whole video. You just saw the one lady that got possessed. You're literally watching a lady being possessed. And I don't doubt that something's speaking through her, but it's a demon, right? And not only that, I mean, the video continued on. There was, and then this guy got possessed with this supposed historical thing or whatever. And this it's, it's flat out, full on demon possession. And the cultures that get involved in this, and this is in New York, okay? And this is happening all over the United States of America. And they're seeking direction from what? Demons. And so you know what it's going to lead to? I don't know. I'm just going to pick a word. Maybe it sounds familiar. You're going to get defiled, it's going to get dark, it's going to get disgusting. You are full-on interacting with demons uh, is what's going on there, okay? So what is voodoo? Voodoo is the name of several religious practices, and what we'll see eventually, probably next time, is where it actually really started, not Haiti. It was brought from Haiti from West Africa, okay? West Africa, okay? Uh, and then it's a polytheistic religion, meaning many, many different uh, types of gods, uh, and it's, uh, it's called Vodon. V-O-D-O-N. It's also spelled, and I'm talking about voodoo. It's also spelled V-O-D-U-N, V-O-U-D-O-U-N, V-O-D-O-U-V-A-U-D-O-U-X, voodoo, or voodoo, V-O-D-O-U-N, or voodoo in that, not V-O-O-D-O, but V-O-U-D-O-U. Okay? So in case you got all that all squared away, there's different ways, okay, that pretty pronounced. But this religion honors a supposed God with a, watch this, dual nature both masculine and feminine. Hmm, interesting. Where did we see that before? That's the same God, the dualistic of witchcraft, Wicca. Okay? And that's not a surprise because in our witchcraft study, we took a history study and traced the trail after the flood, uh, Noah's flood, they get off the ark within, if you recall, within 200 years when we did the chronology study, people were already involved in occult and witchcraft behavior. It started in Babylon. We traced it then 
uh, there to Egypt, and then it went to Greece, and then it went all over the world, including to Africa. So again, and then out of Africa, because of slavery, it hops over to the Caribbean area, and then it comes to the United States and Europe, etc. So that's kind of the trail. Uh, of this, okay? But, so it's not only, I suppose, a God with a dual nature, just like witchcraft, shocker, it's the same source, and spirits, quote, demons, that rule nature, as well as spirits, i.e. demons, in rocks, rivers, trees, etc. Now, watch this, it, pay attention. These spirits in voodoo, okay, uh, they call them uh, vodon, okay, or uh, voodoo, okay, but that's their word for spirits, that, as you saw in that video, that they're connecting with. Oh, by the way, how did they connect with those spirits? As you're going to see, this is a common theme in voodoo. Lots of pounding music, lots of repetition and dancing. And you keep that up, and these spirits, demons, you get possessed. Anybody know anything? Sound familiar? Exact same thing in the charismatic movement. You keep that up long enough, we talked before, and you might have a spiritual experience, but that ain't from God. This is a, this is a big practice in voodoo. Okay, so we're going to see throughout tonight. But the spirits there, uh, vodon or voodoo, okay, they, the, the, these words that they use literally mean spirits, but what's the Bible call them? Demons. So think about this. Every time when you see this word voodoo, it literally means, they call it a spirit, but it means what? Demon. The whole religion, if you will, Literally means demon. It's all about demons. You just saw one of video. That's exactly what it is. It's all about demon interaction, seeking demons to possess people to then speak to you and seek demon direction. It's crazy. The very word voodoo literally means demon. So if that's not a big enough clue to stay away from it, I don't know what is. Okay. But voodoo, demon interaction, also includes animal sacrifices, ancestor worship. Now, why would they be that? Because, again, they believe they're speaking to somebody from beyond the grave. That lady got possessed with what she thought was a spirit from back in with a... Sl- no, it's a demon. Okay, things in here. Uh, it's also the same kind of mindset in shamanism and American Indianism, which we'll probably have studies on that down the road. Voodoo in Haiti and Louisiana uh, is also very popular. Also in, listen, Haitian communities in Miami and New York City. So that's why it's prevalent in New York, because you have a large people, a population of people that come from these island countries that practice this on a massive scale. Okay, and including Miami, Cuba, big area from Cuba, and that's all there. So that's how it gets entrenched and hops upon and comes over here. And we're doing that there. But watch this. Okay, it's derived, yes, from West African voodoo, but the basis of voodoo, as we experience today, okay, is blended with, here comes the big shocker, Catholicism. And you're going you're gonna to see why, okay? So basically what they did was the slaves were doing their voodoo. Voodoo means spirit, means this demon. They're doing their demon thing. They're being possessed by demons. Even though they don't call them demons. They call them loa, but they're demons. And here comes the French, or here comes somebody else, okay? And they try to get them to convert to, not Christianity, Catholicism, right? So what they do is they basically take the... Demon spirits, and there's all different ones. You know, like this demon's supposed to do this for you, and this demon does that, and this one, if you connect with this one, they'll give you this advice, or they'll give you this power, this favor, whatever. Each one has a different function. And then they combined it with Catholicism, the worship of the saints, which is unbiblical. We dealt with that before. 
So they take the Catholic dead saints, right, merge it with the dead supposed spirits of people in voodoo, and they squish it all together. So it's what we see with voodoo today is a merging of the false teaching of Catholicism, the worship of saints. And by the way, it's the same thing. The saints are what? You got a saint that'll help you through real estate. You got a saint that will help you with your family. You got a saint this and saint that and saint you know, all these. And Buddha just hopped on that baby and says, oh, yeah, that's what we're doing. It's a blend of that still to this day. Let's take a look at that. We don't believe in heaven and hell. There is only life. Voodoo is an Afro-Caribbean nature religion. It essentially is a monotheistic religion. They believe that there is only one God, but that God is distant. He's unreachable. And so that God communicates to us through what they refer to as the Lawa. They're sort of partly saints, partly spirits. Each one of them has a particular function. If you have love issues, you go to one particular Lawa. If you have issues about security or safety or money, you can go to a different Lawa. These Lawas form a relationship with the Voodooist. They become essentially the same kind of relationship that many Catholics have with their saints. The center of voodoo currently, of course, is the island nation of Haiti. But voodooists will tell you that voodoo itself is a religion that goes back centuries and centuries all the way to Africa. It's a religion that the slaves brought to Haiti themselves. This moment has also become a flashpoint in modern Haitian politics. It is a source of conflict between those Haitians, proud voodooists who see this moment as the beginning of the birth of their nation, and those Christians, primarily evangelical missionaries, who believe that in calling on the Lawa to help, that Satan has now taken possession of Haiti, and indeed that all of Haiti's problems, its economic stagnation, its corruption and rampant crime problems come down to this moment in which Satan entered the island. And actually, I would agree. I didn't plan on this, but I just happened to be there about a month ago in that area, and I could verify that place is messed up. And it's creepy. It isn't just economically impoverished because all these disasters, there's that, but they still do this down there. And it's not good because what, what God said, when you interact, it's going to bless you. You're going to be great. You're, no, you're going to get defiled. That whole country is defiled down there. In fact, I will say this. You notice it's a blend of what? You take the false teachings of Roman Catholicism, dead saints, and this dead saint, which is unbiblical because once you're in heaven, you're in heaven. There's, you don't pray to saints. Who do we pray to? We pray to God. We go directly through Jesus, through Jesus Christ. You don't go through some dead person or what. Anyway, and so it merges perfectly with voodoo which tells you they're coming from the same source. Hello. Okay. But it merged that. And the version, we actually experienced this on ground. Uh, the people there, oh, they talk the talk. They talk religious. Oh, they say that they believe in God and whatever. In fact, we were on this one bus tour, and this one uh, bus guy, the tour guide, uh, he talked big. Oh, you know, I get up every morning, I pray to God, whatever. Right? And everybody was, eh, you know, from America. I think, oh, this guy must be a Christian, whatever. And then the exact same guy flippantly is using the Lord's name in vain. Uh, he's drinking rum. 
and uh, and then cursing. And but then all of a sudden he goes back to yeah, you know, every morning we love God and whatever. I'm what God, you what what version of Christian? What? But that's what you get this voodoo mindset because it's a blend, not Christianity, but with Catholicism, right? So that's what's going on. So they mix West African voodoo, demon interaction, with Roman Catholicism, dead saints interaction, and formed an underground type of voodoo uh, that now is uh, spread across Latin America, Cuba, Haiti, and Louisiana. In Cuba, this blend is called Santeria. Probably have a whole study on that. In Brazil, it's called Kendombo, however you pronounce that. In uh, Haitian voodoo, again, the worship is directed, and that's why this is appropriately titled not just demons, but demon what? Worship. But they worship in Haiti, the Loa, again, which is demons. So they're literally worshiping demons, okay? And they believe those demons serve their version of the one God with this dual nature, okay? Well, yeah, they're serving Satan, but he's not a God. He's a fallen angel just like the demons. Uh, But the Loa became associated with the Catholic saints, right? So they just kind of merged them all together. Louisiana voodoo, which again, we'll probably have a, a whole study on that has a, a strong emphasis that these spirits, i.e. Loa, i.e. demons, okay, supervise everything, okay? Uh, and again, all the slaves did was take the African names of these spirits, demons, and change them to the name of Catholic saints and blend it all together. So that's what you're dealing with. Women in Louisiana voodoo preside over rituals, like you saw that lady, okay? It's more of a female priestess-led, although guys can too, but a lot of it's the female-led, who preside over the ritual ceremonies. They use charms, magical potions. They're known as voodoo queens. So again, translate that. Voodoo literally means what? So here's something to boast about. Hi, come on in. I'm Demon Queen. Hey, want to go to lunch? Who are you? I'm Demon Queen. Always decline that offer. In case you guys haven't figured that out. Excuse me, but that's what it is. They're voodoo queen. Queen of the demons. That's, that's crazy, right? In fact, the most well-known one was a lady named Marie Laveau in New Orleans. And she is depicted here in this video. Watch this. Thank <laughs> you. 
But don't worry, and I quote, Marie Laveau considered herself, I'm not joking, a devout Catholic. <laughs> Gotta be kidding me, man. Full on demon possession, demon this, demon that, whatever. And it's everywhere. But it's okay because, you know, I go to Mass. Those aren't demons. That's Saint so-and-so. Nuts, folks. That's exactly the background of what this is, okay? So voodoo is also primarily an oral tradition. You're not going to necessarily go out there. I'm sure there's lots of paraphernalia. And unfortunately, today, there's a lot of books and things that nature. will probably get that later. Uh, but it's a lot of oral traditions passed down from generation to generation, person to person. Uh, in general, again, tonight's just the wide swath. In general, they have one god that they call Bondi, however you want to pronounce that, B-O-N-D-Y-E. That's supposed to be the one god, dual nature, whatever. Uh, but again, he's remote. Uh, this god is remote and not active in daily life. And so, because of that, that's why they connect with these spirits, i.e. demons. And I quote, through, here it is, how do you get, according to voodoo, these demons to show up and possess you? I'm not making this up. And I quote, singing and ecstatic dancing. Hmm. But if we just call it Holy Spirit worship and letting it all hang out because we're, I'm not, hey, we, we dealt with this before and I'm not going to preach through the 42-week charismatic chaos study again. But again, we're on this topic. We've got to deal with this. Okay, I'm not against, you know, it's not against the law if you actually raised your hand. Oh, demons! No, of course not. That's between you and God. But a lot of the stuff that we're seeing going on today, the repetitive movement, and the, right? it's going to get you in an altered state of consciousness. You, shouldn't, you don't need to mess with that. You shouldn't mess with that. You know why? You know what it's going to lead to? I don't care if you slap Christianese on it. God has a word for it. It's called, you're going to get defiled. Because that's what you're messing with. But that's what they used to do that. In which the worship, so they go through singing, dancing. Notice, and you're going to see this in every single video. They always have a beat music going. It's very important to get into that. That helps you get into that altered state of consciousness. And I quote, so they, they do the singing and the dancing, the voodoo. Okay, in which the worship, as you're doing that, quote, invite the spirit. Now, you don't want to say, hey, come on in. I want to be demon possessed. Nobody does that because you typically will get freaked out. As freaky as this is. But the words that they use is the demons, but don't call them demons, they're spirits or loa. They will, quote, ride or mount the person. I can call it, hey, the demons are riding us. The loa is going to mount you. No, you're being possessed. That's all it is. They just change the title and somehow it makes it okay. And as you saw even on that video, there's a prevalent use of, shocker, snakes. Hmm, wonder who inspired that. Additionally, they got special diets and ceremonies, rituals, spell casting, potions. Again, a lot of it just spills over into a lot of the witchcraft stuff uh, because there's a lot of witchcraft in Africa as well. Uh, talismans, amulets, charms, and again, supposed to aid people, supposed to provide healing, good luck, all that stuff. Again, like with witchcraft. Uh, but again, they're also engaged in occult practices like divination, fortune telling, and sorcery, etc. But, and I quote, these practices are strongly condemned by God in the Bible, such as Deuteronomy 18. We saw that last week, which says he forbids this. Any divination or sorcery it interprets omens, engages in witchcraft, casts spells, who is a medium or spiritualist, or who consults the dead. Okay, God condemns it. So the God of, quote, voodoo is certainly not the biblical God at all. A remote God who's not involved in mankind or even nature has a dual nature, which God does not. The worship of voodoo spirits is the worship of false gods, i.e. demons, okay, and it's condemned from the Bible. So if you're going to stick with the Bible, there's no way you can blend this. 
But you know why they can blend it with Catholicism? Because it's unbiblical. It's not Christianity, right? And the practices are not Christian at all, as well. So moreover, and I quote, this is a direct quote, the occult practices of voodoo are not only dangerous, but they're dangerous because, and I quote, they open people up for influence of demons. And not just influence, but you're talking full on possession. That The whole thing is based on, hey, let's keep it up until we're what? Until literally somebody, hopefully a bunch of people get possessed. It's crazy. In fact, let me give you uh, this guy. I actually felt sad for him. If you think about it, pray for him if he's still alive. But uh, he's the voodoo priest of his town. The whole town is dependent on this guy to be possessed. This is the backbone of what voodoo is, folks. But let's take a look at this. When slaves from all over Africa were brought here to Haiti, they forged a new spirit religion, one that incorporates elements from the Catholic Church. On the surface, Haiti is a Catholic country, but daily life still moves to the rhythms of spirit religion. Miraguan is a small port on the Haitian coast. Businessman Gary Mazil once was the town's mayor. But Mazil has another side, as a voodoo priest. Gary's family has a problem. As village priest, Gary must try to solve it. Recently, Berto, a young cousin, began acting strangely. I was doing my ceremony here, and I see Berto start talking a little bit differently than yesterday. And I said, what's happened to Berto? As a voodoo priest, Gary Mazil also serves as a community healer. In the House of the Spirits, he will ask for help to restore Cousin Berto's sanity. Relatives, including Berto's father, gather in the temple and begin to summon the spirits. An answer comes not from an ancestor spirit, but from one of the most powerful and feared voodoo spirits, Baron Samedi, Lord of the Dead. He takes possession of Gary. The morning after Berto's treatment, Berto is no better off. The spirits continue to torment him. But others also depend on Gary. Each spring, his duties include learning which spirit will guide the community for the coming year. He spills rum and water and lights candles, trying to draw spirits to the temple. Gary struggles to breathe as his body resists the spirit's arrival. Now he dances caught up in the hold of a warrior spirit. Gary speaks in the warrior spirit's voice and sees through his eyes. It is through Gary that this spirit will guide the village for the next year. Where do you even start? Notice when he was resisting the spirit, what was he trying to, what was his knee-jerk reaction? Going to have to kick it. 
Anybody else teach that? If you want to get rid of spirits, you in a bag. Remember that? Doesn't show it on here, but the, the quote spirit, i.e. the demon, left him supposedly, and they show him crying. But think about this whole culture. He's not only the leader of the community, but who's the leader of the community? The guy that's demon possessed. Oh, and by the way, it didn't work on the guy. Turn to somebody and say, shocker. So the guy's demon possessed, and I'm going to help him by getting demon possessed. No wonder it didn't work. And it doesn't work. But you look at this, this whole community is wrapped around. Oh, but don't worry. They're devout Catholics. And, but you know what? You go over there and you're going to say, man, this place is what? It's defiled. I don't think it's just because of poor economic decisions and they need to get a ruler you know, that knows how to handle finances. And if they'd stop getting those hurricanes, maybe it could turn around for them. No, I think there's a bigger issue going on. These places are steeped in this kind of stuff. So they're blending polyistic theory, uh, worship, spirit worship with Catholicism. And so there, in a nutshell, again, we're just hitting this wide swath. Uh, they deny, Voodoo denies the primacy of Jesus Christ, his atoning work on the cross, the need for redemption solely by faith in Jesus Christ. The true one God is not worshipped. Jesus is secondary to the spirits or demons. And, of course, occult practices prevail, which God condemns. Okay, So, obviously, Voodoo is not compatible with God's word. Nobody, certainly no Christian, should ever have any part of it. Stay away from it. Listen to God. He doesn't mince words. You're going to get defiled if you do. Your house will get defiled. Your family will get defiled. Your neighborhood, your city, your country will get defiled if you let this stuff spread. Now, let's get into, again, we're just hitting the swath tonight, the big big overview, and then we'll get down to specifics later. General beliefs and practices, okay? And then eventually we'll get into the different types. But uh, voodoo centers around, again, the spirits, or vodun, okay, which are demons. And they believe that they are the spiritual divine essence that governs the whole earth in a hierarchy, so different demons have different orders and different powers, and they do different things, and just like the different Catholic saints, etc., blah, blah, blah. So the range and power could be supposed major deities, demons, governing the forces of nature and all of human society. Then they have the spirits of uh, uh, individual spirits, just individual ones, that govern the streams, the trees, and the rocks, i.e. nature. Then they have dozens of what's called ethnic bodun demons, that uh, are supposed to be defenders of a certain clan or tribe or family, okay? And it's at the center of their life. So they merge it with Catholicism and all that stuff. And adherents also emphasize ancestor worship because they believe that they can not only contact these lower or individual hierarchical structure of spirits, i.e. demons, but also supposedly they're connecting with uh, their ancestors who can also give them advice. Uh, advice and direction, all that stuff. But again, what's the Bible say? They're connecting with, it's a demon. Call it, call it what you want. It's still a demon, okay? Now, they also believe that each family of spirits has its own female priesthood, sometimes hereditary, and it typically transfers from the mother to the daughter, but only a blood daughter, so it has to be directly from her. Uh, voodoo is performed by what's called priests, okay? Like a Catholic priests, okay? Or healers. Uh, in Haitian voodoo, the male priests are called hungan, H-O-U-N-G-A-N. Female priestess, and you saw that in the first video if you caught it, uh, they're called the mambo, right? So again, if a voodoo queen or demon queen invites you to go do the mambo, that's a double no. But that's what the word means. Female priestess is called a mambo, 
okay? Uh, we use that word when it's a dance, and you probably don't want to dance it. Hello. Right? The priestess is also known as the queen mother and is the first daughter of a matriarchal lineage of the family. And watch this. She holds the right to lead ceremonies for the clan, i.e. perform marriages, baptism, and funerals. You know, like in the Catholic Church. She's a priestess after all. Nuts. So she's one of the most important members in the whole community. Can we translate this? A lady who interacts and is possessed by demons. She leads the women of the village when her family is the ruling one and takes part in the organization of running markets and is responsible for the upkeep of the markets. This is, quote, vitally important because marketplaces are the focal points of the gathering and the social centers of the communities. Can I tell you what? She basically has the biggest influence on the whole community, the whole town, right? We would say the internet. Marketplaces, that's where they go and exchange and develop and communicate and ideas and things of that nature. Okay, in the past, when the men of the villages would go to war, the queen mothers would lead prayer ceremonies in which all the women would attend every morning to ensure the safe return of the menfolk. The high priestess woman is chosen by, well, how do they know all this stuff? Well, they use what's called an oracle. So, and, and, that, and that's what God says to do, right? No, absolutely not, right? But the oracle, okay, is the one who, quote, chooses the voodoo priestess and priests and by giving a calling to the person, right? And that person, they don't even know that they're called to be a voodoo priest or priestess. Uh, this uh, oracle tells them you got a calling. And then, quote, it may come at any moment during their lives. And as soon as that happens, which who knows, maybe that's when they get possessed, I don't know. Uh, they will, quote, join and pursue, quote, spiritual instructions. And that's how it kind of gets going. So the oracle will also designate the future high priest and high priestess among new recruits. It, so they always have an order of succession in that fashion. Only blood relatives are allowed. Strangers are forbidden. However, strangers are given one option, right? It's described as the first circle of worship. Strangers are allowed to worship only the spirits of the family, right? So they keep it in the family, blood relatives and things of that nature, the line of succession. Practices, voodoo worship, uh, various different, uh, again, dialects, spirits, practices, songs, rituals, all that stuff. they got herbs, stones, and candles and things of that nature. Kind of like, again, witchcraft, other occult practices we saw. It's all considered. Thing. And each one's supposed to do this or, or each, if I use this herb and that whatever, just like in witchcraft, then that will attract this spirit to help me, to give me that or give me luck or force that person to love me or do this or whatever or curse them and what all that stuff. It's the same thing with voodoo. Okay, these herbal remedies and religious uh, things that they use in their ceremonies Okay, here's another word, just like mambo. You didn't know where that came from. What they call these things, and this is the paraphernalia. This is the herbal remedies. This is the things they use in their rituals as they're doing the things with the demons. They're called fetishes. That's interesting. You don't want to have a fetish, right? Certainly not these fetishes, okay? And that's what the word means. Fetishes are voodoo talismans. They're objects like dried animal, or even dried human parts, and they're sold for healing and supposed rejuvenating properties. Here's one fetish market uh, that's available out there. Let's take a look at that. This is the world's biggest voodoo market. Found in Lome, the capital city of Togo, the Akadesawa fetish market
sells a range of voodoo ingredients and talismans. It's a place where you can buy everything from carvings to animal skulls used in a variety of voodoo medicines. The bones are ground up and burned to form a black powder, which can be consumed or rubbed into open wounds. La carapace de tortue. Avec ce carapace de tortue, nous traitons avec de, de certaines herbes. On le met en poudre et ce poudre s'est mélangé avec de miel et c'est avalé pour l'asthme. Over 100 healers work in the market, offering consultations for less than four dollars. Their knowledge is passed down through generations. There are a number of reasons that a person might visit a healer other than illness. To improve the skills of a goalkeeper, for example, a practitioner might apply powder made from a gorilla's hand, and parts of a horse are said to improve running abilities. Over half the population of Togo practice indigenous religions, of which voodoo is the largest. People travel from far and wide to visit the Akadesawa fetish market, which is considered to be one of the most notable locations for this key part of West African culture. And notice what they were constantly doing in the backgrounds. They were doing with all this paraphernalia there and the fetishes and the, I need this. To, what were they doing? Music, repetitive, strong beat, constant, quote, aesthetic dancing. I'm starting to see a parallel. Maybe it's just me and Pastor Bobby. I don't know. Uh, Voodoo also believes that these fetishes or objects are, quote, inhabited by the spirits. So, i.e. demons. Now, uh, you can think that all you want, but let's answer that biblically because there's actually confusion uh, in the church today and uh, people get a wrong idea. I got a coffee table and it's possessed by a demon. Can that happen? I'm, and I'm not, I shared this story with you before, but this is not a joke. This is real. I had uh, a pastor friend that shared with me, uh, uh, one of his pastor friends, he actually received a call from a family in the community and they wanted him to come over and uh, do an exorcism. Sometimes you get those phone calls. And I'm not saying that there's obviously demonic activity that goes on a lot of places. And uh, he says, well, okay, well, how can, how can I help you out? Tell me a little bit about what, you know. And they said, well, you just come on over and we just need your help. So he, I, I kid you not, he drives to the house. He goes to the house. And the parents uh, come to the door, the husband and wife. And they said, we need you. And they literally lead him to the bathroom. And they said, and th no joke totally straight face, and they said to him, seriously, we want you to exercise our toilet. There's a demon in the toilet. And he's like, what? And they say, yeah, our son won't go potty. And it's a demon on the, in the toilet. That, we know that's what it is. That's why he won't go potty. Okie dokie. He resigned from ministry the next day. No. <laughs> but again, this is, what's the, what, what, so coffee table, toilet, can a demon, here's the point. Can a demon inhabit a physical object? No. And let me explain that to you before we go any further. Okay, the Bible does not specifically mention a case of demons attaching themselves to a non-living object, nor does it warn us about such events occurring. The Bible does, though, clearly note the existence of demons inhabiting two options is all you got. We see they can inhabit what? People, like you see with voodoo, or animals. Like when Jesus said, get, you know, be gone, and they went into what? Pigs, right? So you got two things, living things. 
Demons want to inhabit a living thing, right? Last time I checked, a coffee table and a toilet is not a living thing. We also see that the power that Jesus had over them, and that's what the Scripture teaches. It's the pagan cultures surrounding Israel in the Old Testament that associated various gods with certain objects. For instance, the Philistines, even when they captured the ark, they treated it like it was a, a god, and they placed it in their temple with the gods uh, and their own idols. Other nations celebrate gods of gold and silver and bronze with, to varying degrees, uh, and their belief that the role of the gods and spirit are just like voodoo today, uh, are in these inanimate objects, and they're being controlled by spirits of gods. No. And the Bible lays the case against that. And that's what we see in 1 Corinthians 10, 19 through 20. Paul writes, What do I imply then, that food offered to idols is anything, or that an idol is anything? And I quote, No. Now, to understand the background that Paul was talking about there, there was a little skirmish in the early church, right? And people would go and buy, Christians would buy, Meat sacrificed to an idol, right? And they're going, and you had some Christians, they're going, you can't do that. There's, there's a demon in that thing, right? And so Paul had to deal with this, believe it or not, okay? But it's applicable for what people believe today in animal object demons. You can't do that. And Paul's advice was basically this, and you've got to understand the culture. You've got to, why would they even do that? Well, basically, to use the vernacular, right, uh, the, the people would go to these pagan idols, and part of it, as you see in pagan rituals today, they offer what? Food to these demon idols, right? The demons aren't the idols, but there's a demon behind every idol in that it's leading people astray from God, right? So they would offer food, which also included meat. Now, put yourself in a, and this is happening on a massive scale because most of the society is pagan. So can all the pagan priests eat all that stuff? No. So what they would do is they would take the leftovers and they literally had a shop out the back like a little convenience store, and they sold it, right? So as a, a, or Christians, uh, you know, people got born again, saved out of this, and basically this was your choice. Okay, you can go over to Joe Bob's cow store and pay top notch for that piece of meat, or you can go to this convenience store over here at the back of the temple, get the exact same cut for half price. Which one are you going to get, right? But it causes skirmish because, as Paul says, because their conscience, they were weaker. They were less mature Christians. They're still babies in Christ growing up. They didn't realize it yet. Paul says, don't invite this person over that thinks that there's a demon in that piece of meat, okay, and then force them to eat it, right? Because they think there's a demon in that. That's not being Christian-like. You don't want to abuse your liberty, right? They're just not there yet, right? You ever run into a young Christian? They're just, you know, they, got, they got a lot of learning to do, right? And you know better, but they're not quite there yet. So you're patient with them, right? And, you know, you don't want to sit there and say, hey, come on over to my house, have a piece of steak. And, you know, they got a problem. They think there's a demon in, in these pieces of meat, right? And they're halfway through and you say, hey, by the way, I got that at the demon shop. <laughs> you know, that, that's not Christian-like. And that's what Paul's dealing with in the vernacular there. But Paul's argument was technically, though, the only reason why you're doing that is not because you couldn't eat that meat. Because then I, it's nothing. It's a piece of meat. He said it's for their conscience. They're not there yet. Do you get it? And that's what Paul's saying here. He says, what do I imply then? That food offered to idols is anything or that an idol is anything? No. I imply that what pagans sacrifice, they offer to demons, okay, and not to God. I do not want you to be a participant with demons. So idols, inanimate objects themselves are not controlled by evil spirits, but worshiping them, idols, 
is associated with the worship of demons. Do you see the difference there? Okay. And today, many see the association of evil spirits with objects such as voodoo dolls or crystal balls or Ouija boards and other products related to the occult. Now, is it a good thing to have that in your house? No, because it's an occult item. Is it because there's a demon in it? No, but those are things that demons use to what? Lead people astray. So certainly, why would you have that in your house? If you want to have something in your house, don't bring in a Ouija board, bring in a Bible. Right? Common sense, you would think. Right? Though it is possible for demons to uh, influence people through these objects, they don't inhabit the objects. Okay? Uh, demons appear to focus on deceiving people, not attaching themselves to things. But if they want to possess something, it's always only people and animals, living things. And the point is this. These items are simply objects being used in the practice of evil, the worship of false gods, to influence people for evil purposes. Instead of focusing on whether objects are possessed, our focus should be, quote, abstain from every form of evil. First <laughs> Thessalonians 5.22. Okay? Uh, and so that's obvious. But now that brings us to the practice. You mentioned these things, things, okay, in voodoo. There's two things that we think of voodoo, right? You think of voodoo, right? And the first one is a voodoo what? Voodoo doll. Right? What's up with that? They don't use that today, do they? Yeah, they do. Watch this. Take a look at that. It's a form of Satanism. It's devil worship. It's evil. Perhaps the ultimate expression of voodoo's sinister reputation was the voodoo doll, a popular tourist souvenir sold in New Orleans to this day. What is the real purpose of voodoo dolls? Are these exotic figures intended to possess supernatural powers? In the reality of carved wooden figures from Africa called bocio. In works of this sort known as bocio, which means literally empowered figure or empowered cadaver, took human form and then were wrapped with various cords of powerful vegetable materials Pegs would be inserted uh, into parts of them, for example, this peg into the mouth, which was intended in part to silence those who might speak against one. The so-called voodoo doll probably comes from a type of power figure uh, prevalent among Congo people. And it has a medicine bundle in the interior of the figure. And when you want to make an oath or uh, make a strong request, Quest, you take a piece of metal, a nail, and drive it into the power center. Because slave owners feared the powers of such bocio, slaves were forbidden from carving figures in wood. Ownership of bocio was prohibited, and for a slave to possess one meant certain death. So the slaves developed a more secret way to express their beliefs. Ragdolls, figures that could be more easily concealed. The voodoo doll would come to symbolize something both powerful and sinister. Marie Laveau sends her regards. What's happening to me? 
die tonight. Well, the next needle I use will put a hole in your heart. But don't worry. She considered herself a devout Catholic. Are you kidding me? Crazy stuff. And just one more. And again, we're just hitting the highlights tonight just a, a little bit. The next one, you think of voodoo, not only dolls, you think of voodoo, the zombies, right? Zombies have kind of gone under a weird transition. Now zombies are people that have a... Uh, uh, their flesh is decaying. It could be some biological weapon that got them, or, or somehow they got genetically modified by some sort of... And they turned into a zombie. Uh, the things of that nature. Uh, but zombie, typically, where it came from, is straight out of voodoo. Uh, the Haitian French word is zombie, Z-O-M-B-I. Haitian Creole is zombie, Z-O-N-B-I. Uh, and again, we'll probably have a whole study just on this later. Uh, but it's supposedly the creation or the reanimation of a corpse. Uh, and the term comes from Haitian folklore in which a, quote, zombie is a dead body reanimated uh, through various methods of voodoo, right? And yes, they still practice it to this day. We'll take a look at this one. <laughs> Ingrid Lira is a voodoo priestess. I grew up in voodoo. Um, my family, my grandparents, passed it on to my great-grandparents, to my mother, and then myself from Haiti. Voodoo culture is a form of witchcraft with sorcerers sticking pins into dolls, casting spells and grave robbing. Voodoo is a religion where I light my candle, and I pray to my spirit. Just like anybody goes to church where they light their own candles and pray to their saints and God. Priestess Ingrid Lira frequently presides over voodoo ceremonies in her neighborhood. Music and dance are key elements in voodoo ceremonies with the pounding of drums and pulsating rhythms. But it's the idea of the existence of the voodoo zombie that fascinates people. It, it is a very difficult, uh, the zombie is very taboo and um, a lot of voodooism would probably say that I don't want to talk about that or it is not voodoo. But myself as a voodooism, yes, it does exist. According to tradition, slaves who practiced voodoo created zombies. They used to use it in time of slavery. If I'm plotting, against the master and one of the slaves which is my brothers and sister or my family member is gonna sell me out we're not gonna kill a member of the family we're just gonna uh, make it appear that you are dead and take care of you in the back room where they will never see you again but you still exist you're still living we're still feeding you zombification is a way to keep certain people from getting out of hand but then it's one little side of voodoo. One little side. Again, tonight is just the overall swath. Go home, take a shower, scrape your eyeballs. <laughs> but this, we've got to deal with it, folks. God deals with it, number one. So we need to as well. But you're going to see that our world is enthralled with it. And again, I'm getting way ahead of myself, but... Even kids are being encouraged to go down this route. 
I wonder who's doing that. Well, rhymes with Disney. Here's one example. Remember that movie? A little cartoon? Princess and the Frog? Oh, wasn't that fantastic? Folks, it was all about voodoo. All about voodoo. But see, they did the old switcheroo on you. See, that was the bad voodoo guy. But we all know that Mama Odie, she was the good voodoo lady. And you had that little old fly thing there with the Louisiana accent, onion and a pepper, and he was out there. And he had, remember that? But that's the good voodoo. No, it's not. It's like witchcraft. Oh, I only practice white magic. I don't do that black magic. It's all evil. But once again, Disney, all they do is they find something in the occult and they make a cartoon out of it. It's nuts. God says stay away from it. It's demon worship. It's evil. It's wicked. It's dirty. It's dark, demonic. And you get messed with it. I don't care what age you are. Your life will become defiled. Unclean, disgusting, dark. Don't do it. It's all bad. Oh, and by the way, Oprah, Juan Kenobi, was one of the voices on The Princess and the Frog. But don't worry, she says she's a devout Christian, as we saw last time. Yeah, let's go get some KFC after the study. My treat said me never. Lord willing, next time we're going to uh, now start to break it down uh, into the different types of voodoo. And of course, we're going to start where it all began, Lord willing, in West Africa. And then we're going to go and trace the trail. How in the world did it get here to America to the point where now they're making cartoons, encouraging kids to get involved in it? Well, hi, this is Billy Crone of Get a Life Ministries, and I hope you enjoyed today's study. But in closing, let me ask you one final question. Are you sure that if you were to die today that you go to heaven and not hell? Now, before you answer that, let me uh, share with you a couple things that the Bible says. The Bible says that God is holy and that we are not. And the wages of our sin or unholiness is death. We don't deserve to go to heaven when we die. We deserve to go down. We deserve to go to hell. Now, to make matters worse, we don't even want to admit this problem that we have, that we're separated from God not only now, but we're going to be separated from Him for all eternity in a place called hell. We, we, we don't even want to admit that. So, once again, out of love, God gives us what's called the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments were God's x-ray, if you will, divine x-ray to, to get us to admit the problem that we have inside that's separating us from Him. Let's take a look at a few of those of God's divine x-ray. For instance, if you think that you're worthy on your own, you don't need a Savior, uh, you're going to get to heaven all by yourself, then let's take a look at God's test there, uh, the, the Ten Commandments. The ninth one says, you shall not bear false witness. That means lying. Uh, how many of you have ever told a lie before? Raise your hand. Okay. Uh, if you didn't raise your hand, you just told one. But folks, we've all done that. That makes us a liar. The Ten Commandments, God's x-ray, showing us that we have sin that's separating us from Him. We're not holy and perfect like Him. The Fifth Commandment says this, you shall not steal. Don't ever once take anything without permission. How many of you have ever done that? Well, if we're not going to tell another lie, we, we should all admit that as well. Well, that makes us a thief now. The Bible says that God is so holy, uh, even His name is holy. And that's why the Ten Commandments says you shall not use the Lord's name in vain. And if we're honest again, folks, hey, a lot of us, how many of us have used the blessed name of Jesus Christ? The only name, the Bible says, under heaven that men might be saved. We've now turned it into a common cuss word, if you can believe that. The Bible says that's the sin of blasphemy. The Bible also says, hey, show, you want to show God you're so perfect, you have no sin? Then don't ever once commit adultery. And you might say, well, I, I've never done that, really? Jesus lays the standard before us. God looks at the heart. Man looks on the outside. Jesus said, if you ever looked with lust in your eye, 
at another person, you've committed adultery in your heart. That's his holy standard. One more, the Bible says, okay, you think you're so good? Uh, then don't ever once commit murder. You shall not murder. And you might say, well, hey, I, at least I haven't done that one. Really? The Bible again says that the sin of hatred, wishing someone was uh, dead, is akin to the sin of murder. It's just, if you will, you pull the trigger in your heart. So, so, so how are you doing? That's just five out of ten of God's divine x-ray, by the way, uh, showing us the problem. How are you doing? Not if, but when your time comes, we're all going to stand before God. You will be forced to admit what He already knows. Hey, God, let me in. Let me in. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a liar. I'm a, I'm a thief. I'm a, a, a blasphemer, an adulterer, and a murderer. And the Bible is clear. Such people as these will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. You're not headed to heaven in that state. You're headed to hell. But here's the good news. God said if we would just admit this, number one, then he could fix it. And it gets fixed only one way, and that's through Jesus Christ. Jesus said in the book of John, chapter 14, verse 6, he says, I am the way, the life, and the truth, and nobody comes to the Father but by me. Why? Because only Jesus lived the perfect life in our place. And Jesus died on the cross. He took the death penalty in our place so that we could be set free. And since we weren't there, and since it's a gift and we can't earn it, we have to receive that wonderful gift by faith. And the Bible says God will pardon us for our crimes, our sins against Him. And you could actually see this analogy working uh, in the natural, in the normal world. Uh, we see this actually uh, in the courtroom. For instance, if a person is guilty and, and everybody knows they're guilty, they've committed a horrible crime and, and, and the, the sentence has passed, the judge has knocked down the gavel and says, hey, uh, you are going to jail, you are going to the death penalty for that crime. And, and we know that people, that happens all the time and they go to jail, but believe it or not, did you know there's a way for that person, even though they're guilty, to actually be set free from that crime? It's called a pardon. And the one in authority, the governor, has the part out of mercy, out of goodness, certainly nothing that that person did in jail. They can't undo the crime. It's too late. But out of mercy, the governor could go down there and grant that person in jail a full pardon for their crimes. And by receiving that pardon, the doors come open and they are set free and they're rescued from the death penalty. Folks, that's what God is doing every single day with us spiritually. He has allowed His Son, Jesus Christ, to take the death penalty in our place. He's pardoned us, but a pardon does you no good unless you reach out and receive it. And it's actually been on historical record that there have been people on death row who a governor has gone down out of mercy and extends to them a full pardon, but they've rejected it. And by their own doing, they went to the death penalty. Folks, don't make that same mistake for all eternity. God loves you. He's willing to forgive you of anything and everything you've ever done. All of it. Even the sins we don't even know about. He wants to pardon you and forgive you, but you must receive that by faith today. The Bible says if you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, if you call upon His name, ask Him to forgive you of all your sins, believe in your heart that God raised Him from the grave, you will be saved. Please do that now. Please do that today because tomorrow may be too late. Well, this has been Billy Crone of Get a Life Ministries. Again, thank you for joining us. If there's anything that you need, if you have any questions, please don't hesitate to contact us. Our information and number and uh, things will uh, pop up here on the screen here shortly. And remember, I hope to see you in heaven. God bless.